This is episode 27, Babies Before Birth, A Discovery of Healing and Magnifying the Love with Mary Ann C. Welcome to the Wellness Project podcast with Claire Obade. I'm a life and wellness coach, yoga teacher, EFT practitioner, and meditation guide. And most importantly, I'm a mama. And I'm here to support you to free your mind, fuel your body, and feed your soul as we journey into the project of your own wellness. From meditation, yoga, spirituality, and health to well being, mindset, conscious living, and conscious parenting, I dive into it all. Featuring moments of contemplation mixed with inspired action and handy takeaways, you will feel inspired and motivated, ready to cultivate new habits, rituals, and tools for your wellness journey. With mini meditation sessions to support you in cultivating inner stillness, connection, and clarity, and special co hosted episodes and interviews to answer your questions. The Wellness Project podcast has you covered. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome to another episode of the Wellness Project podcast. As a little side note, I am not sure how many more episodes I'm going to get up and live before this baby shows up earthside. So if this happens to be the last one, then that's awesome because this is an incredible episode to go out with a bang. And when I say last one, please know that there will be more episodes coming up once baby has arrived. Just going to have a few weeks of hibernation and bonding and connecting with baby and obviously with our new family of four. But after that, I've got plenty of more people and things that I want to share with you. So back to today's incredible episode. We're talking about babies before birth and specifically communicating with babies in utero before birth. I know, pretty wild, right? This is one of the most incredible conversations you're going to hear ever. You've probably never even thought that this was possible before, and I guarantee you that it is because it's something that I have personally been experiencing with work that I've been doing with Marianne C., who I will bring on in a moment. So what I do invite you to do is get cozy and snuggle down with a beautiful cup of hot cacao or whatever it is that you like so that you can be fully present for this conversation. Marianne and I cover quite a lot of ground and quite a lot of detail in this incredible conversation about communicating and connecting and magnifying love between yourself and a baby in utero. But I want to give you my background story because this has been a personal journey with myself and, and Marianne and of course with this baby that is currently, as I record this, still in utero. So from the very first moment that I discovered that I was pregnant and maybe even before that, it became obvious to me that this baby was very, very excited to come to earth, very excited to be my child and wanted to communicate with me and connect with me through multiple channels. The amount of people in my life that have contacted me and said, I received this message from your baby, or I had this dream from your baby, or this baby sent me this intuitive message, it just, it's nonstop, to be honest, which is just so awesome. So awesome to be able to have a relationship and a connection on this deeper spiritual kind of level with your baby as it's growing inside of you. And as you may have heard in my interview with Justine Peacock a few episodes back, which I will link in the show notes, Justine also 
via our sessions has connected with and communicated with this beautiful baby in utero. It's just been so magnificent to be able to feel into their energy and to feel into this beautiful little soul's wisdom and to actually have a conversation and pass on messages to each other. That's been really, really special. However, I did feel very strongly that there was something left that this baby wanted to do or communicate with me or or heal. I wasn't really quite sure at the time. And I was really, really blessed that, you know, as, as these things happen, that this baby helped to manifest a relationship with myself and with Marianne. Um, she contacted her beautiful friend, Justine Peacock, looking for pregnant women who'd be interested in a reading. And of course, Justine thought of me and I, of course, said yes instantly. I just knew that myself and this bub were supposed to have this little divine spiritual dance and communication together. So my personal experience with Marianne and with the readings that she has done has been like nothing else I have ever experienced. And I just want to add here, I have experienced a lot on the woo-woo plane, shadow work and chakra work and kinesiology sessions that have sent me into the most incredible healings and um, meditations that I can't even find words to describe the out-of-body, almost ethereal experiences that I've had. Uh, I've had a lot of powerful healings. I've experienced a lot on the spiritual and soul full realm, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say. So for me to say that my experience with Marianne has been just so unreal and incredible, that's a big statement and that means a lot. Now within our two sessions that we have had, I'm not going to go into too much detail because it would take too long to be honest, but Marianne has helped me to connect with particular areas of healing that myself and this baby have both needed in order to move into this next transition together. You know, babe in my arms, mother and child, in a way that feels so much more whole and cleansed and complete and this sense of content, but mostly this huge, deep connection of love, magnifying the love between us. Marianne is going to explain in much more detail what it is that she does, how she does it, and why she's so passionate about doing it, and why it's such a powerful and very important part for those that are interested for a woman and and her child during pregnancy. But on a lighter note, I've been able to connect with the personality of this child and really feel into not only their wisdom and their lightness and their love, but also the quirky and zany side and just the unique personality that comes through when Marianne and I work with this little bub. It's just so awesome and it's just made me so excited to meet this little baby. And we've also been able to talk about the names and you're going to find this really funny. This particular baby has zero interest in whatever his or her name is, actually doesn't care, and finds it really comical that here on earth we care about names 
and that's been really refreshing and also really frustrating at the same time. And we've gone through names and we've had to tune into the resonance and the vibration of these particular names to see if they work and if they sit well. And the whole time, this little bub inside has just been laughing hysterically, just kind of going, really, mum, does this really matter? So on a lighter note, there's been this powerful healing, but also this, this humor and this connection and this, this realization about how deep these souls are and how magnificent and incredible they are and how excited they are to come here. They're just so excited to start this journey. So I just wanted to share a bit of that with you because the journey with Marianne has been mind-blowing and, and she's really helped me heal some of my stuff around motherhood and even even outside of motherhood as well in such an incredible way and also to help myself and this bub heal whatever was blocking us from you know fully stepping into our journey together. Now, as Marianne will explain, sometimes there is nothing to heal between mum and bub, and sometimes there's much bigger things to heal. And I think it's just such an incredible gift that she has and that she's offering to the world. And I want you to listen to the whole thing because I really want you to absorb the enormity and power and importance of what she does, but also because she's offering a really awesome discount to work with her if you are pregnant and know that she also works with babies after they're born as well. So please listen, tune in, keep your heart open and just be blown away by this incredible woman and what she is offering the world. And just, oh my God, it's just incredible. And I don't even know where to begin other than to introduce you to the mind-blowing woman that is Marianne C., this incredible intuitive who has a story like no other, has an incredible skill like no other, and will just rock your world. So thank you for letting me ramble for all these minutes before you actually get to hear our conversation with Marianne. Please do connect with us after this. Let us know if you're interested in a reading. Let us know your thoughts. How does this make you feel? Does this excite you? We just want to know what has come up for you from this beautiful chat. Okay, guys, ready? It's going to be awesome. Hi, Marianne. Thank you so much for joining Hi, me. Hi, thank you so much for joining me for this incredible conversation we're going to have tonight about babies before birth and the discovery of healing and the magnification of love that you do in this incredible work. So I'm really so grateful to have worked with you, but also to have this conversation with you today. Thank you so much, Claire. You're welcome. So, Marianne, I'm going to start with you because you have quite an incredible story. And I would love it if you could tell us about you and your personal story and what you've personally had to overcome because it's quite an important background to the work that you do today. Sure. Well, as you know, you gave me the questions ahead of time, so I had a chance to think about each one. And when I saw personal story, I immediately saw an autobiography I wrote when I was nine years old. And I called the autobiography Freckles, because I have a lot of freckles. I still do now. And in that autobiography, I wrote about my ambition. 
And I said that I wanted to be two things. I wanted to be a doctor and I wanted to be a nun. And I asked my readers, which I assume consisted of just my mother and father, I asked them if they knew what that added up to. And when they said they didn't, I said, well, I'll tell you, it it means I want to be a medical missionary. So from a very young age, I knew I wanted to be involved in healing. I knew I wanted to be involved in educating. I knew I wanted to be drawing people to something in the healing process, something bigger than maybe their own suffering. I, I had that sense from a very early age. But what I didn't know, what I had no idea is that I would have to become my own medical missionary. I would have to spend much of my adult life helping myself heal. The condition I had to address um, is given the name environmental illness. And for your readers, or your listeners rather, who, who aren't familiar with environmental illness, I'll explain. It's a condition in which the body becomes completely overwhelmed by the chemicals in our air, food, and water today. Another name for that condition is multiple chemical sensitivity. Mm. Each person who who has environmental illness shows a different symptom profile. Some people may have extreme migraines. Some people may have severe joint problems. And others, like myself, their entire immune system crashes. And they can no longer really be near anything. And that's what happened to me when I was 27. My immune system crashed, and I just couldn't have anything near me at all. So I moved into my first of many bubbles. And by bubble, I mean a room that really had nothing in it. In my case, I had two chairs, a lamp, and a 1950s television set. Wow. (laughs) And um, that was my world to to begin to heal. My healing spanned three decades. Um, It was involved tremendous amount of work to come back from a state where I couldn't have even a pencil near me without doubling over in pain. So it, it, it was the focus of my life and I'm grateful that I had that interest in healing right from the start of my life because, indeed, I had to be my own first client, and I had to work very hard with myself for many years. Mm, Wow. (laughs) You know, just my mind just boggles, Marianne, just the thought of you literally being in a bubble for three decades and having to embark on this incredible healing journey it's just like now let me let me clarify Claire I was not in that bubble for three solid decades I got in I got out Mm. some of my bubble some of my bubbles involved living in the back of a truck with a mask on my face other bubbles involved being in the middle of the desert in New Mexico with nothing around me and sleeping outside on the sand basically my husband and I just did whatever we had to do to keep me alive. And in some cases, I was too sick to be inside a house at all and had to be outside. So the bubbles looked very different over the years. Wow. that That's a whole separate podcast chat in itself, I think. <laughs> that 
would be incredible to dive deeper into that. But what I really want to know from you is how this healing journey of yours that spanned three decades, and I know that you're obviously in a very different place now, but how that led to your work as an intuitive and as a healer, but also in the work that you do with babies in utero. Where's the connection? How did we get to that point? Uh, That's uh, so easy. I remember the day so well where this work began. We were living in the United States. We had my husband and I migrated to Australia um, right after we were married, but we had returned to the United States, and I was living in the state of New Hampshire, um, a very cold state in the northeast of the United States, and uh, well, I should say the north, really. And uh, I had had an accidental pesticide exposure about a year before. Um, And my immune system completely and utterly collapsed. My doctor said she felt I had 24 hours left. Um, I was very, very, very ill. And my husband was desperate to keep me alive. And we found a home that had no um, gas or oil heat. And it was in the middle of nowhere. And we rented it. And um, I was holding my own. But one day the dishwasher disposal stopped working. And my husband put his hand down and tried to get any little bits of food out of it. But apparently there was one little piece of potato that he could skin that he could not reach with his hand. He just couldn't do it. And it was a Friday and there was no opportunity to get someone to come. We were in a very remote place, probably until Monday. So we didn't think too much about it, but I started to go very downhill very quickly. And... um, we realized that the little piece of potato was um, getting moldy. And one of the challenges for people with EI, environmental illness, is mold. Generally, they're very, very sensitive to it, and I am off the scale sensitive to it. So that tiny, tiny little bit of piece of potato was growing mold, and I was having a tremendous trouble problem with that exposure. So we didn't really have much choice. It was below freezing, and I mean Fahrenheit freezing. It was below freezing outside, so I couldn't be outside. So my husband and I agreed that I would just stay in the room upstairs, and this was a very big house, so I was far away from the dishwasher disposal. Yet the minute I opened the door to go out, I would double over in pain. So that's the level of sensitivity we're talking about. The room I was in, I was too sensitive to have too much near me. I had one wool blanket. excuse me, on the floor. So I was lying on that wool blanket, just lying there by myself. My husband would come in, of course, but basically I had to be by myself. Um, And I was 40 years old, and I just said, I I can't do this anymore. I I just can't do it. I've been doing it for 15 years. I I don't have the strength. And... um, because the prospect wasn't good. When you're that sensitive, I thought, there's no way I'll ever get well. And I remembered um, something from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's book, the great the doctor who did the wonderful work with the dying. And she talked about bargaining. And I immediately started to bargain. I just said this prayer. I said, if you find a way to turn this sensitivity into something that helps people, then I'll keep trying. Mm. And what I didn't say, but what I was what I was implying is, if you don't, then I give up. 
And of course, life goes on. You know, the man came to fish, fix the dishwasher disposal. I got a little better and a little better. And I forgot about the prayer. But in the next three months, two friends, independent, they, they weren't on the phone with me together, both suggested I see a psychic healer. I didn't know what that meant. I'd never heard the phrase, but they were quite insistent. And we had to leave that place because um, there was a lot of mold. The, the snow was thawing and things were getting moldy and my husband didn't think I'd survive. So he put me in the back of a truck and we drove for four days down to the desert. So we were near this psychic healer. So I said, maybe we should go see her. So we went and we sat down in front of her. And I really didn't know what she did, but I was very open-minded. And um, she just said to me, um, do you have any idea how extraordinarily gifted you are? And I looked at her like, how could I be gifted? I'm half dead. And I kind of laughed. I said, well, not really. And she said, do you understand? You've been given a gift and you're wasting it. I said, well, not really. And then she kind of, she was a very fiery woman. She, she got kind of angry at me and she said, do you know how sensitive you are? And at that point I rolled my eyes. I just like, oh my God, if I hear one more person say this. And my husband quickly said, well, she doesn't like that word. <laughs> so, and she got mad. She got mad. She said, it doesn't matter whether she likes the word or not. She's extraordinarily gifted and she's wasting her gift. She could be helping many, many people. Wow. And then I remember. I remembered the prayer, and I said, my God, then at that point, it was like, tell me, what what gift do I have? I'll I'll use it, and she said, bring a photo of someone sick and be here next week at 10 o'clock, so I came the next week. I brought a photo of someone who was sick. She said, tell me what's wrong with the person. I said, I don't know. My mother just said the person's sick, and she said, open up your chakras and tell me what's wrong with this person. Well, I didn't know much about the chakras. I knew there was one at the base of the spine. I knew there was one above the head. But she was so terrifying that I just said to myself, will the one at the bottom open and will the one at the top open and anything else that's in between, will those open too? <laughs> she said, pick up the photo. I picked up the photo and I went, oh my God. And I said, I feel so sick. And I held my throat and then I held my stomach then I held my liver. And she said, see? You've been doing it your whole life, and it's the reason you're sick anyway. Wow. And I realized she was right. I had taken on the pain of almost everyone I'd met, and I was capable of feeling other people's bodies inside my own body, and I could learn to use my sensitivity to help others. What a story. I think you landed in the hands of this fiery, wild psychic on purpose that obviously (laughs) bullied you into opening your chakras. and (laughs) She absolutely terrified me into it. But if it had been a a much more gentler approach, maybe it wouldn't have, you know, happened in such an incredible way. I just think that story is just so awesome. I love it. It, it makes me laugh because I've spent years working on my chakras and, you know, you just said, okay, uh, could my chakras please open? <laughs> well, I remember, I remember the words I said, and will anything else that's in between? I didn't even know where they were. I just said, open up because she's yelling at me. And I remember my motivation. I said to Corey, well, I don't have any work to do anyway. I can't be in the world. I can't touch a pencil. I can't hold the phone. I said, 
maybe I should learn to do what she's telling me I can do. <laughs> oh, incredible. Oh, so for those that are listening, I guess there's a gap here that we need to fill, which is you you can feel into people's bodies. And I know that when we've done our work before, you go into my body and you've gone into my baby's body and we'll talk more about that. But can you give us an understanding then of what you actually do? So what is a reading that you do? How do you use this sensitivity that you have? So I know that obviously you're you're using intuition how is it because it's quite different from my experience from anything else I've worked with other healers it's quite different because you are in the body so can you just fill that gap for us yes well remember my training with um, the psychic healer really lasted about two minutes she just said do it and I did it and that was the extent of my training so I thought, well, I'll start trying to do this with friends, and I'll just see. So I had no other training than those two minutes. So I was just feeling my own way. So for about 18 months, I worked with lots and lots of people. I never charged any money. I just wanted to see, what do I do with this capacity? And uh, so I just opened my chakras and... But actually, that took about 10 seconds. It really wasn't even a big part of it. I just made the intention to flip the switch and go in someone's body. And the minute I do that, I'm hit with many different sensations. I feel tightness. I feel physical pain. I feel emotions. I can see things from the past. Tons of stuff, content just hits me. Mm. And so my job is to navigate through all that and find where does this human being want me to be with them and that doesn't take very long anymore I can just go right to the place where the being is saying be with me here Mm. now that's very important those words be with me here Um, it is easy for someone who has intuitive ability to Uh, be enamored of the possibility of giving information to another. It's very easy to be excited about saying, oh, I see this from your past and you've got a lot of tightness in your throat and and information can come very quickly. And I learned from the very, very beginning, I don't know how I learned it, but I knew it, that information didn't heal. Mm. Intimacy heals. That my biggest gift to my client was not that I could babble off a lot of interesting facts about them. My biggest gift to my client was that I could keep my feeling, my perception, and my attention or awareness with them in the place where they were suffering. Mm -hmm. I can say, just before you go on, from my experience working with you, that that's probably been the most profound and unique element of what you do. I think there's been stretches of time in our sessions where it's complete silence, but I felt so incredibly held and supported to be with whatever is shifting and moving and releasing within me. And you might not even be saying a word, 
and it's just that presence. So I can definitely understand, having heard that description now, what you mean by intimacy healing. And I'll just go back to um, a memory from the bubble. One day, I couldn't really use a bathroom. I, I could run in very quickly and hold my breath for about eight seconds before the pain would start. So I had to be very clever about getting in and out. And um, one day I went to the door of the bubble and I put my hand on the door and I had all the pain. And I said to myself, but I'm not out of the bubble. I'm right in the bubble. And I said, wait a minute. Why am I having the pain when I'm not near a chemical? I said, am I afraid of opening the door? Am I afraid of going outside the bubble? I said, no, but I want to be out of the bubble. And I said, no, no, Marianne, wait. And I kept putting my hand back on the doorknob. And finally I went, I'm frightened. I'm frightened to be out of this bubble. I'm frightened of life. And um, it was that moment where all of a sudden I realized this disease, this condition, disease, was utterly malleable. It could shift. Yes, it looked like it was all chemicals and all this you know, bad stuff we have on the environment, but I said, look at this gesture in me. I'm too frightened to be in life. And so when I'm in someone's body, I do exactly what I did with myself for years, which is just rest in, feel, and release my own terror, my own rage, my own sorrow, and everything else that goes along with them. So I think it's important to understand that not only is this intuitive gift, I guess you'd say, that I have at work, but also three year, 40, 50 years of allowing myself to feel to profound depths in my own being in order to be able to open that doorknob. Mm. Wow. Just such a powerful experience to have worked through your own healing, which has obviously translated into the healing that you have done for countless others and obviously babies in utero as well, which we'll talk about. I just think it's, it is an incredible gift and I'm so grateful that you discovered it at some point. So when you are doing this reading, Marianne, when you're with somebody and you're in their body and you're being with them and you're providing that intimacy, what is the ultimate goal in your opinion? So what are you actually working towards? And I know it's not a strict rule for each and every individual. It's obviously changeable for each person. But what are you ultimately well, working towards? You're right, Claire. When Yes, of course, each person's uh, presenting challenge will result in a specific look at the end. But you're right, there is an ultimate um, goal in all of it, and it is expansion. If you think of a closed fist and you think of an open fist, my work is to facilitate the open, the open gesture at any level of the being, any level of the being. Um, 
Now, I'm going to give you a kind of a dramatic example of that. I've worked with quite a few people who are dying. Indeed, I've been people who have, have asked me to be with them when they died, some of my clients. Now, when I teach intuition healing, I often ask the question, is it possible to expand, to grow, even as the body-mind dies? And, of course, there's quiet in the room, and then one after another, people raise their hand and say, yes, it is. So my work is designed to invite expansion at any level. Could be the ankle no longer is in pain. It could be the belief I'm no good starts to relax. It could be the body-mind is dying, but I am opening with feeling attention to what is beyond the body-mind. And in the case of many people, parents I've worked with who've lost children, it is exactly that gesture expanding beyond the sorrow, the grief, the tremendous pain associated with losing a child. So I would say, yes, you're right. There always is this ultimate um, gesture of inviting the being and inviting myself at the same time to go beyond, feel beyond whatever would limit the capacity of the being to yield feeling and attention to what is greater than the suffering. Mm. That's just beautiful, expansion versus contraction. I think that just, you know, that's that love versus fear energy, isn't it? I think exactly. that's a beautiful way of describing it. So when we're talking about this ultimate goal, I want to bring it kind of more into um, a little bit more of a technical element because this is something that I found very fascinating about our work together. And you, you explained to me that the work that you do is you know, strongly somatic, so it's very body-orientated, and you've already mm-hmm. explained to us that you know you are in and with the body. So if you're talking about this creating expansion, mm-hmm. can you... Explain a little bit more about what that body-orientated focus is, so contracted tissue versus expanded tissue, because it surprised me how physical a lot of your descriptions were. That's an excellent question, following upon the first one. That's excellent, Claire, I think, because, yes, we're talking about this ultimate goal of expansion at any level of the being, including even the person who's dying, and yet when I connect in someone's body, I'm immediately hit with contraction of all different kinds. Could be a sore ankle, could be the fear, etc. So what I do is I ask my client to show me whatever it is, the fear, the thought, whatever, where it is stuck in the body. Hmm. And, um, and that's very good because it means that I don't I can remember an Australian phrase. I don't waffle on in my readings. Well, you know, I got this. You got your third chakras a little. I don't waffle on. I just go, when I'm in your throat, I feel a great tightness. But when I go into that tightness, I feel it start to open up right away. So I'm, I'm inviting my client to go right back to the body, not to interpretation, not to judgment, not to anything other than the tissue itself and whether it's what it's storing whether it's willing to open whether it's not willing to open what we need to do to invite it to open um so so we're together the client and i are right 
there mm. now in the tissue. Now, here's what we know. <clears throat> I better scroll down on my notes here. Here's what we know about um, contraction, tissue, awareness, perception. Okay, here's what we know. We know that any wound, any emotional pain, hurt, anguish that a being experiences will, if it's not released in that moment, will tend to lock itself in tissue. So in the time so of trauma, if, is that what you mean? In the time of trauma, even if it's mild, even yeah. if it's mild. Um, we know that. We know the body will lock in the pain mm. to protect the person from feeling what might be too much to feel. Now, the problem is, and, and this has been documented in so many books, including the famous Molecules of Emotion by Candace Pert, the body will literally retain the memory, the emotion, as molecules in the tissue itself. Now, you'd say, well, why don't they just release it after the stress is over? The person isn't yelling at them anymore, etc. Unfortunately, the body functions to protect us from pain that we didn't want to feel. So the body won't release it, and the throat will stay tight, and the back will stay tight, etc., storing all that content down to even the memory of what the clothes looked like and the yelling felt like, all will be locked in the tissue. So when the client draws me to the tight throat or the tight back, I go right in there and I just stay there. I don't have to do anything else. And then I see and feel and hear what is stored inside. Mm. And that is such an invitation to the tissue. The tissue has been waiting for that sometimes for years to start releasing. Mm. And that, of course, is contraction moving to expansion. But we have to understand the client may have held this content back for 20 or 30 years. So that's where the intimacy comes in. One thing we know, we know about trauma now. I mean, all the greatest trauma therapists in the world will say the same thing. We know a being can heal from even the most extreme of trauma if he or she feels safe and loved. Mm -hmm. yes. We know that. So therefore, I have such an opportunity. I'm so blessed because I can keep, and, and let's define what love is. Love, we know, is the surrender or the yielding or the giving of feeling and attention to another. By feeling, I mean perception. So for example, if you're loving um, your dog, you attend, you are aware of your dog, and then you infuse that awareness with the capacity to feel. In other words, you're right within feeling mm. your dog. You're right there, feeling your dog, attending your dog. That gesture is love. It, I mean, it's nice if it involves red roses and chocolates and everything else, <laughs> but ultimately, that gesture is it. And I'm so lucky because I can be right in the traumatized tissue giving that and when you and I were silent on the phone that's what I'm doing I'm not thinking I'm not trying to figure anything out I'm just staying right in that tissue mm. so that that tissue knows that there's no need to lock it all back in that that tissue gets the message that it's safe to at the speed 
the client can go, it might take years, but at the speed the client can go, can release and invite more opening, which means more expansion means more free energy flowing, meaning more capacity to attend with feeling to another. In other words, the ultimate goal is not just simply the word expansion, but the capacity of the being to love more and to receive more love. Oh, just taking me back to points in our session, you know, the, the these moments where you are connecting with my body and it often surprised me and this was a, a really powerful learning curve for me, how much my body was storing certain trauma. And obviously this came up with with baby as well that we connected with, storing trauma that I wasn't even really aware of on a cognitive level. And that I was so surprised by some of the communication that my body said to you, because I, if you asked me, do, do you feel this? At first I wouldn't say yes, but then connecting more and more with my body which was a challenge then I was able to kind of go oh okay yeah that is there so it was really interesting for me when you were with my body and with the tissue and what was actually there was so different to what I thought or I didn't even think that stuff was there you know I think it's a strange thing to comment to to add right now, but I think I'd, I'd like to tell you a snippet about my own pre-birth experience because it will help you understand why I'm able to access that depth in another. Mm. Is that okay if I just give you a snippet yes, of it? Yep. My mother really wanted children. Um, <clears throat> she came from a family of eight children. She really wanted them. All her friends had children and she didn't have any. It was five years after she was married. And uh, she... And my father put in adoption papers into an agency in New York, and they were ready to adopt. Then she had an idea to go uh, on a pilgrimage, and she went for three days to Canada to a shrine called St. Anne de Beaupre, and she prayed for three days. When she came back, her doctor said to her there was one more thing she could try. She tried that, and she conceived me. Mm. It was 1950, and... Um, the ideas about <laughs> when you hear what she was told to do, I know your re your listeners will just be aghast. <laughs> she was told to stay in bed and not move for the eight months. <laughs> oh, it gets much worse. And she was told to smoke as much as she could oh to stay God. relaxed. <laughs> and my mother, like everybody in the 1950s, they all loved to have a cup of coffee and smoke. I mean, they did it all the time, you know. And so my mother, you know, the doctor said, this will help you. And the ads on TV were have a marble and relax. Doctor advised me. This is what it was like. So my mother chain smoked the entire pregnancy, thinking she was doing the right thing. And um, then she was told that night to make sure she had two or three stiff drinks. And my mother wasn't even a drinker. So, um, you know, I mean, it, really, it's unbelievable. But, you know, I really don't think the smoking and alcohol did that much damage. I, I, I don't, well, I don't know. I don't know for sure. But what did the damage was the fear mm. that was sowed to my mother. My mother told me, we went in therapy together. It was brilliant. She said, every time you moved, I thought it meant you were going to die. Mm. And I would hold even tighter hoping that I could hold on to you. 
So what happened? We know now about trauma. We Everyone knows about fight and flight. Um, you can fight, you can flee in the face of trauma. But only in the last 10 years has it become acknowledged that there's a third option. And that third option is called freeze. Mm. You can be like a deer in the headlights. You just stop. Instead of running away from the car, you just stop. And everything freezes. That's what happened to me. I froze. The intensity of her terror was too much. And I literally froze. So the tissue of, and years later when I was in therapy um, with an obstetrician psychiatrist, we were in a group. He was he was brilliant. And there were 28 of us. And he was just seeing who was able to do this kind of therapy. I would guess it was a session to see if who he was willing to accept. And after he observed us all, he, he said, now we must all be compassionate. There are people here who've been through great traumas. And he said one in particular has died in the womb. And then there were 28 of us in the room, and the minute he said died in the womb, my body started to shake uncontrollably. And uh, he came over to me, and I said, Graham, is it me? Am I the one that died in the womb? And he said, yes, you did. That was only a split second, but it happened. And so I think in order to heal, to come back to the point being in the world and be able to have a pencil nearer and a pen nearer, I've had to plumb the depths of that experience. I really have had to spend hours and hours and hours and hours alone in a room with my husband next door if I needed him, um, plumbing the depths of the intensity of that experience from the first moments of my life. So I think I wanted the reader, your listeners to know because I think it, it's what allows me to stay with my client even if the tissue is releasing hatred rage to the point of murderous rage, sorrow to the point of just giving up and wanting to die. I think I've had so many years of just doing this in order to be able to put clothes on because that's a it was a huge challenge for me. I couldn't tolerate any clothes. I've had to do this so much every day. I still do every day to be able to be in this realm, that when I go in someone's body, it's not challenging for me at all to stay in someone else's tissue, no matter what's in there, because I've had to do so much of this myself. It's incredible. So does does it feel, is it painful for you, especially, you know, with, with our readings? I know there's a couple of times where you were like, oh, I haven't quite protected myself yet, and I'm already being drawn into your body, or the same with a baby. What does it feel like for you when you're doing a reading? I know you've mentioned sensation, but is it is it painful or is it uncomfortable for you? Yes, I, yes. Uh, if the client has a lot of fear, I'll be like this. <laughs> I don't. I make sure I don't do it too loud because I don't want the client to be upset. But yes, I, I do feel if the client has a very bad back pain, I will feel it in my own back. Uh, yes, I do become, I take, I do feel whatever the client's feeling, <clears throat> but it's very important to remember that because it's not my pain, because it's not mine, there's a capacity to just observe it. I, uh, you know, I, I can say, Oh yes, my back is really hurting right now, but instead of getting, well, how do I get this? You know, if it were my own body, you'd say, no, what am I going to do? Should I do yoga? I, I don't go there at all. I have enough free attention to just go right in that pain and go, all right, what is in there? What do I need to 
feel more of in my own body so that I can help my client feel that in her body. So yes, it does have an element of physical discomfort and challenge, but it doesn't, um, I, I don't get locked into it. My goal is to just keep negotiating through the contraction to the other side. Mm, okay, well, that's good to know. I'm glad to hear that because <laughs> I don't want, I, I'm considering the, the many years that you have suffered from the sensitivity of the world around you. It's obviously a very powerful so, thing and, to have learned. No, and, I, and people say, are you tired at the end of the reading? Absolutely not. Not an ounce of fatigue ever. I just have to make sure I protect myself. That takes about a minute, two minutes. As long as I protect myself, absolutely fine. And never tired after a reading. Quite the opposite. Generally quite elated, especially if it's been something that, you know, really, you know, there's been a big change. I'm just flashing on a reading. It's quite a dramatic one, but it... It was you know, very, very exciting. A woman, 35, she had three children, and she was dying of um, a neurodegenerative disease. And it was March, and they, the doctors felt she would no longer be with us by December. She was 35 years old. <clears throat> she called me as a last resort. Now, I never see my clients. I, uh, it's always over Skype. So I, I, I have no idea who she looks like, what she looks like, but... Um, you know, obviously I wanted to do the best I could. And uh, so when I got into her body, it was probably one of the easiest readings I've ever done. Uh, I just felt this incredible rage. <laughs> she felt like she was going to kill. And it was locked through the entire body. And uh, then I saw an image. I saw her lying on a bed and I saw a tall man standing above her yelling. And then I heard her words, which were, if I'm not perfect, I'll kill myself. Mm. So I just, it's very important. I must stress, stress this for your listeners. Very important when you're conveying information like this to a client. It's so important that you stay right with the client. If you start just babbling out a lot of, well, you got a lot of anger in your body, and you can do tremendous damage to that person. You've got to, I've got to maintain the intimacy as primary. The information is secondary. If it takes an hour to get one sentence out, then the reading will have to go two to three hours because I will not compromise the intimacy. So in her case, I had to go very, very slowly and say, now I'm going to say some words to you, and I just want you to watch what happens to your body. Okay, you don't have to think too much. Just watch what happens. So I said them very slowly. And then she screamed louder than I've ever heard a being scream, so loud that I reflexively just pulled the phone away from my ear. My ear hurt so much. And she screamed and screamed and screamed for two to three minutes, just calling out, it's the truth, it's the truth, it's the truth. When she finished, um, she said, I want to tell you, what happened in my life. She said, every night from the time I was about 11, my father would stand above my bed and just yell at me, mm. sometimes for an hour, sometimes for two hours. And she said, I remember the day when I said, if I'm not perfect, I'll kill myself. So I said, I just believe this may have something to do with this illness and that if we just stay open, we may see things happen. And she wrote me a month later, they could not find one evidence of the neurodegenerative disease wow. in the body. Oh, it's just so incredible. And I, 
I was so happy because I can feel tears in my eyes. You know, three children. I mean, my God, 35 years of age. And I was just so happy that the information was so available to me and that I was able to do it with enough skill that she was able to go there. So I was very grateful, very grateful. Oh, my gosh, I can imagine. What an incredible story and what a gift to give her. And she was obviously open and ready for it. Amazing. So we're going to change gears slightly here because the information you've given us so far is just mind-blowing and has set such an incredible scene and given us a lot of clarity on what it is that you do. So let's change gears slightly and talk about what you do in relation to working with a mother and a baby in utero. Because obviously you can go into the body and you can go into a baby's body growing within a mother's uterus. So you explained to me once when we were chatting that one of your main aims is to create healing for the mother and the baby if it's necessary and magnify Mm -hmm. the love, to magnify the love between them. Mm -hmm. So can you help us understand why... Why this is important, firstly, why this is important, and then secondly, how this happens, meaning between the mother and the baby, how you facilitate that healing. Why it's important, well, I I think the mothers honestly would answer that as well as I could. I think there's such an impulse in a woman who's going to have a child to, to love with everything she's got in her. I mean, that's what I find over and over again in my readings. This impulse to love is so strong. And likewise, the the women who come to me obviously are interested in personal growth. Likewise, there's a great openness to, well, how am I limited in loving? Because we all are. We're all limited in loving by virtue of being in a realm like this, by virtue of suffering, by virtue of trauma in the tissue, and by virtue, ultimately, of the fact that we presume ourselves separate. So uh, my clients are all very open to discovering, well, how is the love limited, and how can I release that contraction and allow more love to flow? And uh, I'm remembering the very first reading I did in Alice Springs in 1993. I, I didn't know if this was possible. My friend just said, well, can we try? I said, well, why not? And uh, we got inside the baby's body, and this woman really wanted this child. It's a beautiful woman. And yet the baby wasn't receiving the love very much. I mean, some, but not very much. And I, I mean, this was a friend, and I was just doing it for the first time, so I could just say, well, I'm not quite sure why this is, but I can't feel the love getting to the baby. She said, well, why don't you go in my body and see what's happening? So, I mean, we did it together. So I went in her body and I said, oh, I can see what's happening now. And I told her and she said, yes, that's right. And when I was a little girl and then she talked and I said, well, that's what's happening unconsciously. That's keeping the tissue locked in and attention and energy aren't It's keeping this locked in the tissue, and when the impulse to love comes, the tissue is too bound, and nothing really moves. So that was how we did it. We did it together. And then I said, well, why don't I go in that contraction in your tissue and see if you stay there with me, see if we can open it up. And that's how it happened. We just did it together, 
And then I went back in his body, the baby, and um, I said, it's getting there, Melissa, it's getting there. The baby's receiving it. And I could feel him just getting bigger and bigger, you know, expanding. Not, I don't think he was weighing anymore, but you could just <laughs> feel him expanding. And then we just did a reading every month to just make sure this was happening. And then he was born on November 30th, which is my birthday, at 5.45 in the morning, which is my birth time. <laughs> and I was with him, and I put my finger out to, you know, like, as you do, you put your finger out. And he grabbed my finger so tight, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, how does an M newborn have this strength? And then I said later to his mother, I said, do you think he was saying thank you? Mm. And she said, yes, I do. Because he was born right at my moment of birth and he held my hand. And, and um, I just, you know, these, these, these opportunities show you so much about the interconnectedness of us all. You really do, after doing readings like this and experience like this, stop and go, wow, this idea of our being separate is such an illusion, even though, of course, we still presume it. When you feel a being arrive right at my moment of birth and hold my hand, and he and I and his mother had spent six months together just encouraging the love to flow as much as it could to him. Mm, I love it. When we first started working together, I didn't quite expect how integral you working on me and in my body would be in healing whatever this baby needed healing on. Now I really fully understand that. Like it was, it was so obvious once it started in the session, it was like, of course, of course, he's within me, growing with me and experiencing whatever he's experiencing. And, you know, he has his own story as well. But in order for this channel to open this healing and this love, the healing has to be with me as well. So I can fully understand that when you explain it, because at first I thought it was going to be, you're just going to go straight into the baby and it's all going to be about what this baby needs. But of course, we're so integrated. We're so, <laughs> we're so together. My healing is yeah, his and, healing. And, and that's, why the, that's why the possibilities are enormous. Mm. If I think back to my mother. My mother was a very bright woman. And if somebody had come to her and said, Rita, you know, when you hold that tightly, it means Marianne is struggling. My mother would have been the first one to say, well, tell me what to do. Tell me. I, I don't know. She didn't know. And so often with readings with the mother, the mother, like my friend Melissa, she said, oh, now I see what's happening. The tissue was storing it. Her attention couldn't find it. But when we found it, I mean, it was just so easy for the whole thing to open. And, um, and uh, you know, he's uh, just a beautiful, he's had a very, very, very happy life. And I, I, I often go back and think, I wonder if some of the happiness he's had in his life is because right from the beginning, the love was maximized for him. It really was. Mm, sounds like it. This is kind of, we've already started talking about this question, but I guess we, we can elaborate. You know, the role that the mo mother's story, the personal blocks, the challenges that a mother could be experiencing or have experienced, even current circumstances, what mm -hmm. role that all has in terms of the baby, how the baby is being affected. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Because yeah. I remember you once saying to me you had tuned into a baby who had, you know, his father had died or had committed suicide and you were expecting it to be in quite a traumatised state, but that wasn't the case. 
<laughs> so can, can you help me understand that how to be my little sumo wrestler? Mm. I'll tell you. I mean, I was nervous when I got the call. I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to find here? And, um, yes, yeah, so the, so your listeners know the mother um, found out she was pregnant. And a few hours later, she went out in the backyard and found her husband um, had committed suicide and he was lying in the garden. So right from the first few hours of this child's, well, right from the first few hours, the mother knew she was pregnant. There's been a lot of trauma. And uh, I was asked by a doula to help this woman at about the six-month mark. And as I said, I was nervous. And I went into the woman's body, and I just saw this energy of a sumo wrestler. I mean, this baby was so strong. I saw a very round face kind of rosy cheeks and blonde hair. I could see all this. And uh, I just said, well, all I can say to you um, is that the baby feels like she's a phoenix rising out of the ashes. I do not sense any trauma. And what was fascinating is the mother said to me, I don't sense any either. Mm. And she said, I'm just so happy you're confirming this because I thought I was doing wishful thinking, thinking, oh, it didn't really affect her. I said, there is, this baby is not traumatized by it. She has a very thick skin, and I mean that in a good sense of, a, of the word. She's resilient. She's tough, etc. So the baby was born at home. The mother named her Phoenix mm. because in the reading, my those words seem so relevant to her. And then... Uh, of course, I got many photos, but I just got a photo recently. The baby's three. I swear to you, Claire, it's exactly the image I saw. She has blonde, straight hair with bangs right down to her eyebrows. She has a big, round face and rosy cheeks, and she looks like a little sumo wrestler. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the interesting thing about these readings. We'll go into situations where we think <clears throat> the baby would, I, you'd expect to be struggling, and is not. I'll give you another example where I was a little nervous. <clears throat> the couple had lost their baby in labor. Let me just grab a glass of water. And when, <clears throat> at the start of the reading, they were very clear, it took them 15 minutes to explain this to me, that they were not going to acknowledge this baby until they in fact, they said, until they had a living baby in their arms, they were just not going to acknowledge this. So I asked them, what did that mean? They said, there's no nursery, there are no clothes, there's nothing, there's no name. They were very, very adamant that they were not going to get excited about this, welcome, they were just going to wait. Okay, I was quite nervous because I didn't think that approach was going to be particularly helpful to the baby. But I got in there and, oh, the baby was fine. I mean, really fine. But I took advantage of the situation to explain why I didn't feel that that approach was particularly beneficial for the baby. And they got it. It was just nobody had really talked to them about this. And they got it. They really got it. Apparently, the father went out and bought toys for us, bought the whole store out that day. <laughs> I mean, they came home with everything. And the baby was born and was fine. And they wrote me and said it was an easy birth. Everything's fine. The baby's very healthy. So a lot of times these readings, <clears throat> I've written this many times, they're absolutely unpredictable. Sometimes there's even just slight stress in the family situation. Um, I have a client right now, I've worked with her for years, and her mother was hit by her father. 
Now, that caused tremendous psychic damage to that child, and we are still coming out of it now. There's been a big breakthrough. Um, she's a very, very bright woman and got a full scholarship to Princeton and got lost in academia and her health went down. So now she's having to dig out of health problems and also go back to the pre-birth experience. Just got a letter from her yesterday saying she feels like she's being reborn. But there's an example. Okay, one incident of domestic violence, it's not good, but it wasn't a long, long trauma that went over nine months. It's still great damage. Other babies I go into, no trauma whatsoever, but they are, are filled with a message they want. I mean, they are here to convey a message to a parent. They've come to connect with that parent. So to answer your question, yes, sometimes what the mother is storing is having a big impact. Sometimes it's having no impact. Sometimes there's the child is is just happy in the mother's love but is so filled with a desire to communicate a message to a parent <clears throat> it's really like daily life if you go and have lunch with somebody you could have somebody who's very upset about something somebody who's not upset somebody who really wants to tell you something it's really just like meeting a person for lunch you wait and see what it is they want to communicate mm. So on a personal note, and I don't mind you sharing, how would you summarize what our experience was in terms of the connection that you created with the baby? Do you feel that my particular baby was desperate to get a message across or just happy to chat? How would you summarize that experience? I have to go back and remember because, you know, sometimes... I, you know, one reading kind of, you know, the memories, <laughs> I have to go back. And your baby um, exhibited and showed me what I found, I'm glad you brought this up, what I found in the last year I've seen in three different babies, um, two of whom are born and your baby who's about to be born. And that was a difficulty bringing the attention and energy down into the feet and and coming fully into the body. Yes. Now, I'm conjecturing that right now on the planet, there's so much intensity, and it's so known because of the Internet, that a lot of these children who are sensitive, not like the sumo wrestler but little girl, but they're sensitive, are, are feeling tentative about coming right down. Mm. And <clears throat> that, I think, is... Therefore, the call for the mother is to do whatever she can to release that which binds her from being fully incarnate. Yes. And that's what happened in my other reading. We're working with the mother's own fear of being here herself. And that would be the call to you as well. Mm. Because the more you can come down, the more the baby can come down. It, it does work that way. But of course, only a mother who's open-minded can do this because you see, and you are, if a mother says, oh, but I really want to love my baby perfectly. I know, I know, I, I have. If they get caught in any kind of judgment about themselves, well, nothing will happen. We need people just like my, the first woman I did the reading for. Well, let's find out. Let's go in my body and see why the love isn't getting there. So we need people like you and Melissa who say, 
yes, let me see why the love isn't going there or why I'm not coming down fully into my body. What is it about my own history, including previous lifetimes perhaps, that leads me to stay up and out? Mm. How can I come more down and in? Because as I do, I'm conveying right to my little boy it's safe to be here. Not just because I say I love you, but because I myself am safe to be here. Not that it isn't difficult, not that it isn't overwhelming in times, but I have enough connection to the ground and my own strength that I can negotiate my way through life's challenges. Yes. Amazing. Thank you for that. That summary is really drawn a line in the sand for me for our our experience together you know for the baby and really kind of brought that home but I think a lot of people listening are going to resonate with that feeling of not being able to fully come right down and you know if they are pregnant and they're feeling like that maybe is flowing into their baby that it would be something to consider to to do that work that you've just described and it I, could be, and yet we have to we have to be honest. We, I could go inside the baby. The mother could be quite disconnected, uh, very very disconnected, and I could find a baby that's absolutely connected in his body. And in that situation, it's going to be the reverse. The baby's going to be helping the mother. Mm. I love it. It's just such an incredible. You can't even predict it, but that's what's so beautiful about it. Absolutely. That's why I say I I never, ever know what this baby is going to show me. And and sometimes they are the healer. They are the ones who've come to do the healing Mm -hmm. of the parent. It's very obvious. But of course, um, I was going to tell the quick story of the uh, the baby who the mother who asked me to uh, find out if the baby would be born on a certain date <laughs> and I, I will always laugh at this one because right from the start you could see this child had a mind of her own because she said no I'm not coming on that day and the mother was upset because it had a big significance I don't know if it was her birthday or someone's birthday and I said well we can you know it's not something I do often it was more fun we just wanted to see and uh, I said well I, all I can say is she says no she's not coming on that day and I said, don't take it as gospel. I really don't do this. And she said, well, ask her when she is coming. So I, I said, I asked her and she said, I'm coming on. I'll make up a date. I'm coming. I promise. She said, I promise I'll be there by midnight on October 4th. And she said it in such a way like, stop bugging me. You know, <laughs> I promise I'll be there by midnight on October 4th. So then I got the message. She was born at five minutes to midnight on October 4th. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And we, we've had that experience too when these babies have just got their own opinion and thoughts and I love it. And this, and this is what we, from the funny to the, the serious, this is what we need to say. I want your listeners to know this. You know, prior to the 20th century, it was presumed a baby in utero and even a n- newborn, a neonate, did not feel. And that's why... Little operations were done without anesthetic. It was presumed they were not feeling because the brain had not fully matured. Now we know through all the wonderful people in the Association of Pre- and Perinatal Psychology, there are Thomas Verney, David Chamberlain, all these people who've written books, including the famous The Secret Life of the Unborn Child, that this baby is absolutely sentient on all levels of being, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, psychic from conception oh my god and to me 
That makes it so exciting. It makes it so exciting. If we can communicate with this child, we can offer so much more healing for the child, for the planet. I just think it's immense now that this field is opened wide up. Uh, I'm not being clear now. Now that we know the baby is fully sentient on all levels, mm. you can see, I have tears in my eyes, what we can offer um, what what kind of communication we can have, what healing might emerge from this understanding. Wow, what a different world we create by having these babies land earthside who have already undergone a profound healing and reconnection in a way that we've never been able to provide before. That's just unbelievable, and you're a huge part of that work. And to, you know, to add to what you've just shared, we've had... Our, our own experience communicating with my baby in utero to witness his quirky personality and <laughs> you know the, the the things that he has said it's just like there is a a feeling a feeling based sentient being in there it's not just a, a body with bones and organs growing there is a personality oh, no. your little boy is so delightful he has such a quirky zany side it's just delightful just like i said the sumo wrestler i mean th th you really start to know them and love their their own personalities you know mm. yeah that's so special so in light of what you've just shared with us about <laughs> what this incredible work can do what's your personal mission when it comes to working with babies in utero and obviously babies in utero and mothers what what is this for you what, what's your mission about Oh my God! You know when you when I looked at that question, I completely froze. I said, "Oh my God! I've never once thought about my mission." Now I I should start thinking. I turned to my husband. I said, "What do you think my mission is?" You know, I got very nervous about that. Oh my Lord! Let's see. I still feel nervous. Uh, well, I guess to be honest with you, it's uh, it's it's back to the expansion, back to the capacity to extend feeling and attention to another across the board. I received a message three months ago from my mother that I really needed to focus on this work. I have never, I have never, a friend of mine in Sydney has asked me to focus on this for a while and I've never seemed to be able to really just say, this is what I'll really focus on. And I, it took a while to figure out why. There were a number of reasons, but one of them was that I lost two children and I really, really wanted children. Mm. And every time I did a reading, I, I, I would be brought back into that sorrow again. And um, I just didn't know if I could handle that. And, uh, and, um, this is very interesting because, yes, yes, I think this is the answer. After I did the reading for you, I came in to my husband and I said, you know, Corey, I didn't have any sorrow. Mm. And I said, I felt like I was part of the love. And he said, hun, you partake in the love. And I loved that word. It doesn't mean I'm an auntie or a godmother or anything, but I partake, I participate in the love. And that was very healing for me. And I think it summarizes what the mission is. It's that we all, the child, the mother, the other parent, the father, that we partake in the love that is our true condition. 
however much our traumas and our presumptions of separateness keep us blinded from that reality, it is our true condition. And I, my mission is to partake, both myself, the child, the parents, in that love. Um, yes, to partake in it. Mm. And having worked with you, I know that I felt that love magnified between all three of us in that session. I, I truly, I'm glad to hear that you felt that because I felt that too. I felt your love for us, the collective love, I felt love expand on a greater scale. So I think that's a beautiful mission, a beautiful mission and well well summarized. And, and, I, and I thank you, Claire, because as I said, my friend in Sydney has been saying, you know, I did readings for her two children, many, many readings. And she said, do this work. And I, I kept saying, I don't know. And and I, I understood why, you know, it was just too hard over and over again. The feeling was, how come she got the baby mm. and I didn't? Mm. And, uh, of course, I kept doing them. But, yeah, I thought, my Lord, it's very hard to feel it over and over. But in, your reading changed it all. I said to Corey, I didn't feel the sorrow. And he said, because you're partaking in the love. Definitely. And I went, what, what healing for me, you know? <laughs> oh, I, I feel that. And I think I said that to you when we first got on our call this evening, that as soon as I started talking to you, Bub in utero started jiggling about and wriggling like, oh, is that Marianne? Oh, Marianne, tell her I said hi. I just felt like, <laughs> I just felt like he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's my beautiful auntie that I love so much who, you know. Oh. That's how it felt. And I do feel that I feel like I'm a little part of the sumo wrestler and a little part of Mitch <laughs> who was born on my birthday. I'm just a little part in their psyche, and it's a great feeling. It is very special. You are very special. So I'm going to jump ahead to something that I know that everybody listening to right now is going to be asking, and that is how can people work with you? I know you've come up with a beautiful baby before birth reading package would you like to share with us some information about that for those that are listening right now and having that oh my god yes I need to, to connect with Marianne please how do I do this if they want to work with you how can they do that well let me just go back and remind you that three months ago my mother made it clear she said your time on this earth is running out I'm 67 years old I she didn't mean I'm just going to die tomorrow but she said your time is running out and she said you need to focus on this work and when my mother speaks I listen so I said okay fine and I've also known I was always supposed to write three books I've written two so one is sitting there so I said okay and I spoke to my friend in Sydney and she said good now do it and I said okay I'm ready and so I just started to piece together an opportunity that would allow me to work with a lot of people because to write the book, I, I want a lot of readings. I don't want to refer to ones I did 20 years ago that are vague in my mind. I want current readings. And so I thought, okay, what I'd like to do is offer two sessions as one reading because one session always leaves me feeling, oh, but I really want to connect one more time and make sure everything we covered has been processed and that the mother doesn't need any more help, the baby doesn't need more help. So I've come up with the idea of two sessions spaced apart by a week or two, whatever seems right. And I've discounted the price quite a lot. I'm not an intuitive, to be honest with you, that has ever charged a lot of money. My husband and I, who's my husband's a somatic psychologist, We've always believed that healing work needs to be very affordable. 
So I don't charge a lot to begin with, but I've discounted it quite a lot so that I can attract women who are interested in having these two sessions. Hmm. And in return, I ask if they would be willing to give me a testimonial, assuming they like the reading, so that my website, which frankly does already have lots of testimonials on it from adults, but could have more from um, baby reading so that I can amplify that message into the world via my website and in return could also give me permission to use their story completely anonymously in my book. So I'm looking for those women who are open-minded, who want to grow and want to uh, participate in this kind of opportunity with me. Well, I know that many of the people that listen to my podcast are exactly those kind of women. So I am sure that the right women are going to come to you hearing that. And for those that are listening, if you're feeling called to work with Marianne, please do. It's been an incredibly mind-blowing, remarkable, beautiful, deeply loving experience. And I highly recommend, highly recommend Thank you, Claire. And please let every listener know that I love hearing from people. I'm a Sagittarian. I thrive. I mean, uh, (laughs) I'm just laughing. Once I gave a birthday party for my husband in Alice Springs, and he came into the kitchen. He said to me, who are all these people? They're kissing me and giving me gifts. (laughs) And I said, what do you mean, who are they? I said, they're your friends. He said, but I've never met them. They're kissing me and giving me bottles of wine. I said, Corey, they love you. He said, well, how do they love me? They never met me. I said, Corey, they love you because they know you. They're the checkout people from the grocery store, and I told them all about you. (laughs) And I said, go out there and be gracious. So I I looked out the window. I saw all these people kissing. (laughs) I am a Sagittarian. I thrive on going through checkout lines and saying hello and finding out if the young person is in school or needs help. So I love hearing from people. People, your listeners should feel free to write and say what it is they're looking for for help for or what they need. And if I can't help, I love saying to someone, I don't think I'm quite right, but let me point you in this direction. So listeners should feel free to, to write a bit about themselves and I'll do my best to, um, to, to help in whatever way I can. That's a beautiful invitation. You're such a giving and open-hearted person, Marianne. That's beautiful. So everything that we have discussed I will have in the show notes for this episode for those that are listening. And I will also have the information about the discounted um, baby before birth reading sessions that you've highlighted as well so that people can get in touch with you directly from there and chat with you about those readings. Marianne, there is so much more that we could talk about. I know, I know I've got about a million more questions. So maybe one day we'll have to open up another interview and dive a little deeper especially into more about your story and more about some of the incredible stories that you have about working with mothers and babies but for now I'm so very grateful for your time and for the incredible insight and the sharing that you've given us tonight and just for doing the work that you do in the world thank you very much well Claire my thanks to you it was an absolute pleasure I I so I was so happy to to have the opportunity. Thank you very, very much. You're very welcome. And I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your day. Thank you, Claire, and you too. Thank and you. let me know when this beautiful, delightful boy arrives. I will. I'm sure you'll, you'll hear about it very, very soon. I'm nudging him. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you, Marianne. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Okay, there you have it, guys. How incredible was that conversation? I'm hoping that you loved that as much as I did. That, to me, was just so epic. Learning from Marianne, diving deep into the way that she works, her personal story, connecting with babies in utero and the power of magnifying love and healing babies before they even land Earthside. Oh my God, just incredible stuff. And even if you're not pregnant, I hope that that just rocked, rocked your world because Marianne is just a gift, a gift to this world. Of course, I would love to hear from you, desperate to hear from you, in fact. Want to know what you think about all of this, especially if you are pregnant. How does it make you feel, the idea of connecting with your baby in utero, healing and magnifying this love and creating a different experience and a new pathway for you and your baby to land together here on Earth? And I know that Marianne is super, super keen to work with more women who are pregnant, so please do re-listen to the information that she provided at the end of the call on her reading offering that she's got. I've also got it linked in the show notes on my website and that's clarabade.com slash episode 27. That also has her email, her direct email on there. So please connect with her as she asked you to ask any questions. And of course, if you're wanting to book in a reading even better. If you love this call and you have any feedback, please do tag us on Instagram or social media, send me an email, and of course, head to iTunes and offer up a review and a comment if you can. That would be so gratefully received. And I'm super, super, super excited to hear from you if you do end up going down the pathway of working with Marianne and how that works out for you and baby. Honestly, it's been such a beautiful, pleasurable, loving incredible mind-blowing experience and to have been able to connect with baby boy (laughs) um, before he even lands earthside that's just been so special and incredibly sacred and I wish that for you too thank you again for listening and looking forward to connecting soon bye